Hey guys, welcome back to Off the Water. I'm glad to be back uh, after we took last week off. Uh, after Battlepalooza, uh, I think we all need a little bit of a break. A lot of sun, a lot of fishing, a lot of drama out there. Um, but I think everybody um, fish the tournament had a great time. We did get a few nice hours of fishing in. Had some really nice slams brought in. It was it was a great tournament overall. We're going to be covering more of that late, later. As you all know, I'm Darth Yaki, your host. Joining me tonight, uh, as always, my sidekick, uh, Tyler, over there drinking down. Uh, Tyler, I don't know if you heard the news, but uh, just announced the Pelicans won the draft lottery, have the uh, number one pick in the draft. I don't know if we got a lot of basketball fans out there. Certainly, I watch them when I can, um, being right here in New Orleans. Looks like they're going to have the right to take Zion Williamson in the draft. That's, uh, that's huge for the franchise. I mean, they're probably losing Anthony Davis. And they're picking up the consensus number one player. I don't know if we've had anybody rated this high coming up the draft, maybe since Anthony Davis. So uh, certainly good news. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Not much of a basketball fan, are you, Tyler? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I enjoy going to the Pelican <laughs> games from time to time, but I don't follow it that much. Sorry. Yeah. Well, look, guys, we have two guests joining us tonight. Uh, big winners from Patapalooza 2019, Mark Eubanks and Brock Miller. Hey, guys, how y'all doing tonight? Pretty good. Doing good. That's fantastic. Uh, hopefully, we're going to get them to share some of their tactics they use from Patapalooza, uh, what helped them finish in the money, and maybe help you guys going out there in the next couple of weeks fishing uh, Grand Isle, Leeville area, and some other areas, and what, what maybe you can learn from these guys, help put you on some fish here in the next couple of weeks. Also, we got another special guest tonight, Paul Bernard, formerly with the United States Coast Guard, dropping in. Paul's going to give us some information on an upcoming event they have planned for National Safe Boating Week. If you don't know, Paul's been a contributing member on our Facebook group for some time. He's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to water safety in our state. We thought this was especially appropriate considering the um, weather phenomenon. We'll call it a phenomenon because it's it's not uh, wasn't something we normally experience at Patapalooza. Uh, we've we've had snow, we've had thunderstorms, we've had lightning. Um, I think this may be the first time we've ever been hit by water spouts. So uh, certainly, Paul's going to come on. He's going to talk to us about uh, some things and some events coming up that may help uh, make your boating trip uh, safer when you're out in the water. So let's, let's actually go over to Paul right now. I know he's got some things to do, so we'll switch over to Paul and, um, and get that started. Paul, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Hello, everybody. Bayou Coast Kayak Fishing Club friends. How are y'all doing? Um, most of you know that I've spent my 20 years in, uh, in the Coast Guard on active duty, running the rescue boats and doing the law enforcement. Uh, I retired from that, then went to work as a civilian Coast Guard search and rescue coordinator at our sector office in New Orleans. I did that for seven years, and then I... Uh, and uh, in November, I landed this, my dream job. I'm the recreational boating safety program manager for the 8th Coast Guard District based out of New Orleans. So as you all probably know, National Safe Boating Week is the week leading up to Memorial Day. And Coast Guard, as a matter of routine, tries to do a little extra and educational out, uh, outreach to the, uh, to the boating public. So what we've done is at Station New Orleans, we've set up an, an open house and, and festival of sorts. We're gonna try to entwine safety with a little bit of fun, pretty tough calling because I know when everybody hears the word safety, fun isn't the first thing that comes racing to their mind, but I think we've managed to do it. And rather than this being something like a classroom setting where the information generally flows one way, 
or an online session, it, it's, it's going to be interactive. The public's going to come in. They're going to go to a lot of different stations, put their hand on a lot of different uh, safety gear, and talk to the safety experts and the search and rescue and law enforcement experts about this gear. Now, as it relates to kayaks, the, uh, the Bayou Coast Kayak Fishing Club is going to be out there. Todd Lewis stepped up. He's going to set up a static display, but he's also going to get out on the water in front of whatever kind of crowd we can draw. And hopefully Mother Nature will cooperate and we can get a good crowd. But uh, he's going to do some capsize uh, and re-entry uh, demonstrations. I guess I should backtrack a little bit. You might wonder why a guy in the Coast Guard is so concerned about paddle sport safety. If you were to go back 10 years and take a three-year average, paddle sports fatalities would comprise 11 to 12 percent of all of the fatalities nationwide. Today, they're up to 22. Last year, they were 23%. So with paddles, with motorboats being as expensive as they are and people just wanting to get out on the water, they're turning the turning the paddle sports, human power craft. And, uh, and with the proliferation of those craft, there's also been a, uh, a, a rise in the accidents and fatalities involving the paddle sports community. So that's kind of what brings me here. In addition to my buds with the the Bayou Coast Kayak Fishing Club uh, bringing me in. That's that, that's what it's all about for me. And on a, on a large scale, the 8th Coast Guard District is a big one. It's all the parts of 26 different states. Uh, so it's oh, not just here in the local area trying to do it. Yeah, and I hate to interrupt you, but I want to go back real quick on something you mentioned. Uh, what percentage of boating out there is, is boats versus uh, pedal, paddle, kayak type things? Did you mention that? Was yeah, it... But- the numbers aren't really good on that. You know, we have, if you're in a motorboat, we have a registration database that we yeah. can look at to get, the, to get those numbers. Well, with paddle sports, really all we have is uh, is the number of kayaks manufactured and sold. How many of those remain in circulation? How many of them are uh, collecting dust in a garage somewhere? We don't really have good numbers on those. Uh, but you I said 25, 25% of, I'm sorry, go ahead. I want to say the last time I saw numbers on it, the estimates were right there about equal to, to motorboats. Uh, really? There's about 12 million motorboat registrations nationally, and we're estimating there's about that many uh, paddle craft to include stand-up paddle boards, all the human-powered craft nationally. And so, one of the statistics I was really interested in, you said that 25% of the fatalities now are from paddle craft? Uh, 23 23%. The past three years average 22 to 23%. Now I'm interested, our 2018 statistics are due to release any day now. And based on my, my readings, I'm, I'm going to guess that number is going to, it will have crawled up this year, unfortunately, I'm afraid. And is this um, mostly due to drownings? Uh, yes, it is. Now uh, I've got a, um, I've got a map in my office that kind of pinpoints the locations of, of all the paddlecraft fatalities and uh, for example, Colorado has a pretty high number of them. And I vacation in Colorado every summer. And looking at that map, I understand some of those waterways. There's places where they're, you know, 25 and 50 foot waterfalls that these uh, swift water kayakers are going down with their helmets. So, you know, some of it has to be related, trauma related. But yeah, the, the majority of them are drowning. If we took our tournament from this last last weekend and we didn't have club rules that, uh, that, that forced kayakers to wear life jackets, there could have very easily been a fatality that had come out of that and, and talking to and, and messaging back and forth with some of the people that were, that, that were caught up in some of that. There was a very strong testimony for, for wearing that life jacket. 
on the kayak. And really, as comfortable as life jackets are in this day and age, there's no reason not to do them. I don't know how well props show up on our podcast here, but this is my PFD. It's a simple uh, manual pull belt PFD, and I literally forget it's there. It's not heat retaining. It's not burdensome or cumbersome. And, uh, and it works really well for, for the paddle sport, coastal paddle sports activities that I participate in. Uh, I so there's, a, there's literally a PFD out there for everybody that's going to be comfortable for them. You know, in today's day and age, we have motorcycles you require to wear helmets and uh, cars you require to wear seat belts. And I just wondered, have you ever heard of any, maybe any topics brought up on uh, possibly requiring PFDs to be worn on paddlecraft, given those uh, statistics? Yeah, it, it gets brought up pretty frequently. Um, I, I sit in on, on National Boating Law Administrators conferences. I've, I've done three since I started this job in November. The topic always comes up, but what we generally find is the state legislatures are, are, are not quite warm enough to the idea of mandatory wear on, on paddlecraft. So for now, it's going to be education ahead of regulation. Paul, I want to go back to the statistic we were talking about. You said 25% or 23% of all uh, fatalities on the water are pedal or paddle craft. Um, and a lot of those certainly are drownings. Do you know what percentage of those drownings, you know, if you know, were people that um, actually had a life jacket on or, or what percentage were people that didn't have a life jacket on? I have not parsed the data down that far if we can. We know our data is not good just because of the way that it's collected and input, we're about to revamp our entire data system to where it's going to be able to give us data like that. But with all vessels uh, collectively, uh, only 15% of the fatalities involve people that are wearing PFDs. Wow. So it's like wearing a seatbelt in a car. And when you look at those drowning fatalities, like the ones I was looking at this winter, they're, uh, they're typically cold water. Uh, you know, when somebody's drowning with a PFD on, it's cold water or swift water that's, uh, that's causing the drowning. We see a lot of articles. I know Chris Holmes does a really good job uh, posting on the website whenever there's a drowning and it's usually almost always someone not wearing a PFD. And that's, you know, in the Southern part of the state, certainly, you know, uh, Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi, um, you know, people get caught up in, in water or you get knocked out of your kayak for some reason, you're in deeper water, you start panicking. Uh, could be various reasons for that, but, um, you know, thinking about it, your chances are so much greater for surviving if you get knocked out of a kayak with a PFD on than certainly without one. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Uh, and, and when you start factoring in cold water and the possibility of cold water shock, uh, I don't think, you know, until you've been in water that's cold enough to induce cold water shock just how much it saps the life and energy out of you so quickly. You, you, you literally can't, uh, you can't react. Your muscles don't want to work. So that first minute or so after you're immersed in that cold water uh, without a PFD can be fatal. And then after a minute or so, your body will get used to it uh, up to a point where hypothermia begins to set in and you start losing body function again. So life jackets is absolutely critical in those circumstances. And then, here in this area, we have to think about, you know, what, what happens. One of our kayakers uh, over Paddle Palooza was separated from his kayak. Now, had he not been near somebody that could help him, he, he might have needed to be uh, to be rescued. 
So a lot of the things that I like to encourage kayakers to keep uh, to keep on their kayak, and it can be something simple or something elaborate. For me, it's one of those uh, small waterproof boxes, the orange boxes you see so many of. Uh, and I've got all kinds of goodies in there from my cell phone to flares to a VHF radio to I brought a couple more props with me. I love these little silver survival blankets. If you talk to our pilots and our searchers, they would much rather be searching for for this reflectivity than than a human in the water. It will it will stand out. And then if you make it to the bank, this is obviously going to stand out a lot better than a person would too. It also provides some protection from the elements. If, if it's cold and rainy, and we'll retain retain some heat. So where can you get those at, Paul? What's that? Where can you get those at? Those little silver blankets. I've seen them. Any sporting goods store. Any place that has the uh, the, the little sporting goods rack will probably have some of these. Uh, and, and like I said, they're only three bucks, and I, I think they're fantastic. Um, another thing, while while I've got my paddlers on the hook, so many of us don't have VHF radios. We we rely on that cell phone. Protect it. Protect that cell phone. This is something I'm going to really start pushing. These uh, these these cell phone waterproof pouches that have some built-in flotation. Uh, they've got the uh, little strap to keep it around your neck if that's what you want. But man, I can't tell you the number of, uh, of kayak accidents that I read about where there was no way for that person to communicate. They had their phone on them in their pocket. It was not waterproof. And as soon as they got immersed, uh, it quit working. So think about protecting that cell phone if you're going to rely on it. Let me drop this number in there. If you're if you're interested, to all the listeners, grab a pen. I want you to jot this number down. It's the Coast Guard Command Center, uh, Sector Command Center in New Orleans. And if you're in coastal Louisiana and you need some kind of assistance, this is the number that you're going to want. So put it on speed dial on the phone. And uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and give it out now. And, and if we, you want to, uh, if you want to run run by it again later at some point in the podcast, you can. But that number is five zero four three six five. 2209, and that's the uh, Coast Guard's 24 hour command center at our sector office in New Orleans. 504 365 So, when you come out to our open house this weekend, and, and, and we hope to get some uh, some paddlers, we're going to have the, uh, the the Bayou Coast Kayak Fishing Club there with some some demos and some uh, and some static displays as well. And we're going to have something for the uh, stand up paddleboard community there as well. So, um, and that's we'll going to be this weekend. That's this I'm weekend. Sorry, that that yeah. event is this weekend, May the 18th. Okay, yeah, and where's it at? 18th, 10 to 2 at the Coast Guard Station in Bucktown. Oh right yeah, across yeah, yeah. from R, right across the levee from RNO Seafood at 201 Hammond Highway, and that's uh that's on our Facebook. Let me tell you about our Facebook group. Uh, yeah, we do have a Facebook group. It's got kind of a long name, like so many government things do. It's U.S. Coast Guard, Heartland, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, one word, safe boating. So we created this this boating safety Facebook group because we know there's so many people out there that are hungry for information from an official source. You see it shoot just about every time I go on the on the club Facebook group, there's questions about regulations and requirements and stuff. So we, we've created this to give people a place to come and get uh, get answers from uh, career Coast Guard professionals. And we also have people from the various states that uh, that are in the district that have uh, that have signed on and are, and are responding when the questions are state related as opposed to, to federal related. So, pretty neat group and a, and a pretty good resource. I'd like to see more people take advantage of it. We're just over a month old and running up on six hundred members. So get the word out there and uh, 
in addition to answering questions, we post uh, safety-related articles. Like I dropped a picture of my uh, my ditch box in the in the Bayou Coast Kayak Fishing Club's Facebook group right after the tournament, and some people were interested in that. So we put stuff like that out there all the time. Um, pretty good website for uh, for safety and, and and law enforcement type questions from the Coast Guard. Well, Paul, that all sounds great, and certainly you know feel free to share uh, information on the Facebook uh, club page. You know, I think that's uh, you know, we can even pin it. Um, uh, we'll get one of the officers to pin it up there for this upcoming weekend. I don't know if you guys have recruited Josh Thompson yet, but if you're looking for someone to who's got experience uh, falling out of kayaks and uh, trying to get reentered, Josh would be your guy. He's done it now, uh, back-to-back tournaments. He's fallen out of his kayak, I think. So um, He's got he's a got collection of empty cartridges from his uh, inflatable. Yes, he does. His inflatable's gone off both times, so he knows he's got a good, workable life jacket. Um, so that that would be somebody you keep in mind. Uh, big shout-out to Todd Lewis for going out there and, and, and leading um, the charge for the club. Hopefully we'll get some members out there you know, and, and get some good valuable information. You, you never know. I mean, you never know when something's going to come up. Um, l- listening to Paul, looking at the emails, going, you know, the, the post, and, and maybe going out there, it could save your life. So certainly wear your PFD, and um, and if you get a chance, go out there and join them this weekend. Uh, sounds like it's going to be some fun. Hopefully, the weather cooperate, and uh, y- you know you'll you'll educate a lot of people. All right, thanks for the opportunity to talk to the group tonight, guys. Y'all take care. Yeah, Paul, absolutely, Paul. Paul we'd, we'd love to have you back on. If you got any, any more, you know, meetings like this coming up, seminars or anything like that, feel free to reach out to me or Tyler. We'd love to have you back on. Yeah, maybe, maybe later in the summer we can get you on and uh, and maybe do a full safety-oriented episode. It sounds like there's a lot we could learn from you. Absolutely. Sure, sure. Let's do it, guys. I'm all up for it. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot, Paul. All right. All right, guys. Paddlepalooza. It was uh, it was one for the record books. You know, um, everybody gives me a hard time about my tournaments and my dates when we had snow and we've had thunderstorms and we had a. Uh, what was that thing we had an Arctic blast last year, Tyler, at a uh, trout challenge out of pack? Yes. Was, you know, one thing we never had for the my tournaments, water spouts. You know, uh, I don't recall many stories about people getting thrown out their kayak. So this one's falling squarely on Eric Stacy. His tournament, he agreed to, to, to this date, and so Eric, it's all on you. But, but look, overall, this was a great tournament for the club. We had uh, 240 people registered for this tournament. Uh, it's an unofficial record. I think 36 flounder weighed in uh, and many more caught. I know one guy came up to the way station. He had, um, what five flounder. Uh, I think he forgot he was supposed to go catch trout and redfish and just sat there and, uh, was so excited to catch flounder. He just kept picking them off. So no telling how many flounder were caught. Um, I know the week or two leading up to it, uh, the flounder were, were being caught. You know, we had reported it out here actually. I thought it was going to be a very good tournament. I thought we'd probably have 20 to 30 slams uh, weighed in. I don't know the number of total slams we had, but certainly 36 flounder weighed in. Good tournament overall. I mean, basically one in eight people caught a flounder. So that's that's a great one. Um, Thursday night, if you get out there early, uh, Thursday night, Eric Stacy, um, Phenomenal meal. We had boiled shrimp, these monster king crab legs. I'm not kidding when I say they're almost the size of your arm. Maybe not Tyler's arm, maybe maybe my arm, but um, they were huge. Uh, you know, we we you basically would get one leg, 
pull the meat out and that was all you could eat. You know, <laughs> that's, that's what we ate. We had some bull, so we had some bull shrimp, very, very uh, spicy potatoes and corn for what I recall. Um, I don't think Eric got up, was fishing early Friday, if I want to remember. Uh, he was telling me about the potatoes incident. But anyway, uh, so that was that was Friday night. Uh, I'm sorry, Thursday night. Friday night, pasta liat. Fantastic. Uh, little Rascals cooked it up. Great meal. Uh, good captain's meeting, I thought. We had some nice prizes given away at the raffle. Uh, had some sponsors out there. Got through the rules. I think everybody got in early. So if you weren't fishing about Patapalooza, I'm sure you've heard about it. But uh, we had some weather Saturday. Um, I remember <laughs> when we first started, we get out there, and I think a few of us had launched about four in the morning, sitting there waiting for um, legal fishing time to start. So we're we're out there, and we're counting down. You know, it's four fifty eight, four fifty nine, and right right when I said five o'clock, you know, lines in, it starts raining on us. And so I'm looking over. I think Eric Stacy's, you know, about twenty thirty yards from me. And you, know, you just hear him cursing. Here comes the here comes the rain gear. So we all got the rain gear on. So about the first 15, 20 minutes, we're getting dumped on. Realize we weren't going to catch anything yet. So we all just kind of move around. And I'm basically sitting in my spot waiting for 5 o'clock to come up. And uh, so 5 o'clock comes up. And uh, I'm just going to tell my story right now. So 5 o'clock comes up. Start doing some fishing. Uh, 6 o'clock, you know, gets a little bit better. I run into uh, Francis Tran about 6.30. He's pedaling by me and he says, uh, I said, Hey man, you got anything? He says, yeah, I got two. I said, what? I tried a redfish. No, two flounder. I'm like, it's 630. Really? So, you know, we, um, I ended up, uh, I was fortunate. I ended up getting out there and, uh, getting a trout, uh, early. And I was actually starting to fish for some flounder. I picked up a 20 inch redfish and then, um, really started hitting some flounder. We were looking for it. They had a bunch of us fishing. Uh, a lot of us were fishing Grand Isle. And there was probably eight or nine of us back there. And uh, we, we did good. Uh, I caught my flounder, caught my redfish, decided to head in and try to upgrade my redfish at that point. I got a bigger trout. Um, there was some some big trout blowing up along that uh, artificial reef. Some, some blowing up some bait. Me, I think it was Eric and Josh were all right around it. And all three of us threw into that area that was blowing up. And all three of us pulled out a really nice trout. So I think mine was 19 inches. And I said, you know, it's a... Uh, it's about 8.30. I need to head in and, and try to upgrade this redfish because they, they really weren't back there like, like they were the previous week. So I decided to go head off into the marsh and um, got out there, I don't know, probably about 10 o'clock or so. I knew the weather wasn't supposed to hit us till about 11.30, keeping an eye on the radar. That low-pressure low system started coming in. You could feel it. And I don't know if you guys ever been fishing right before that system comes in, but a good hour to half an hour before that system, the, the, the fish really start, start biting. And, uh, I was throwing top water and I had a huge blow up top water in the, in the Grand Isle Marsh. And, uh, he was 26 and a half inch redfish. And I'm thinking, you know, I got a 19 inch trout. I got a 13 inch flounder, a 26 and a half inch redfish. This is a, this is a good, this should put me in the money. You know, it's probably not enough for number one. Redfish wasn't that fat. He was kind of skinny, but I kept fishing a little while later. Um, Tyler, I ran into Tyler, I ran into Josh, and uh, I know Tyler, you came out there, and you'll tell your story a little bit, but uh, Tyler got his redfish. He picked up a nice big red. He had his flounder and his trout, and uh, he picked up a red and upgraded his red, so he had a nice slam as well. So looking in, you know, the the, the radar showed that um, the storm was going to hit us, the bad weather was going to hit us about, I think it was about 11.40 or so, so we made the decision, 
even though the fishing was on, I mean, it was, it was on, it's hard to leave fish biting, but we knew the weather was coming in. So we come in and, uh, we're probably 10 minutes from the launch. We weren't that far from, from where we launched at off of, um, how we wanted. And all of a sudden we feel this, this cold air just hit us out of nowhere. The sky went completely black around us. I mean, this storm came up on us within two or three minutes. I can show you pictures from half an hour beforehand. It was overcast, but nothing like this. This storm came out of nowhere. Wasn't supposed to hit us for another 40 minutes. We weren't far from the launch. I mean, we were doing everything we were supposed to do. We were being careful. We were being safe. We were making sure we were going to be in before the thing, and it just pops out of nowhere. Next thing you know, me, Tyler, uh, and Tyler had a buddy out there with him. Josh Thompson was out there with us. Two of the guys, I uh, forget their names, but we ran into them. We were all coming down the same canal together, and the wind just starts whipping. The rain starts whipping. The rain's hitting us from the front. The wind's hitting us from the back. It's coming from the side. Uh, Tyler sells. He's we we can't we can barely see in front of us. The rain's coming out so bad. Tyler yells to me, "Hey, they're they're out. They're they fell out. They fell out." I'm like, "Who?" He says, "Those guys in front of us." So we're pedaling over there. We're checking on them. Fortunately, they they're in the marsh. They pushed off to the side. We check on them. They said, you know, hey, they're, we're okay. We're okay. So we're still heading in, but this rain is just just kicking our butts. Um, we lost Josh behind us. You couldn't see. There was no way to turn around at that point because we never made it back. And uh, it was probably the most intense rain wind I've ever been in, uh, absent a hurricane, you know, in the kayak. And then we noticed the, the water spout. Uh, moving away from us. So what happened was it actually came and it hit us. We were in it. And then as soon as it moved, obviously it, it, the rain wasn't as bad because that water spout moved on. Uh, I got a picture of it. Uh, once it got a little bit further away, I said, you know what? We just got hit by a water spout. I don't want to forget this. So I got a picture. I think some people from the bank actually took a really good picture. I know we've got some video. Uh, I think uh, was it Elizabeth Hart maybe. Yeah, let me let me play that video real quick. Uh, yeah, Elizabeth Hart. I, I'm I'm thinking from from where she took this picture is a good possibility, and this video it might be it, it may be the same one that we uh, we went through. But yeah, why don't you show that video real quick, Tyler? Yeah, so it it was it was definitely the, mo the mo most intense moment I've been in the kayak. I was I was real nervous, and like he said, we had lost Josh behind us, and the whole time we're pedaling, I kept thinking, man, I hope Josh is all right, and I knew that I couldn't turn around and go go check on him. Uh, I knew the best thing for me to do was to get to land, and, and if he didn't come in, that I I could call for help instead of putting myself in more danger. And uh, sure enough, a little bit later, once we make it back to the bank, here comes Josh with his uh, life jacket all inflated again. <laughs> so, out of the six guys there in the canal that were that were trying to outrun the storm, I think three of them, three of three. us ended up in the water. And uh, but I mean, not long after that water spout passed, then here comes the the lightning, man. And whew, that was some bad lightning. And I mean, it was lightning and then thunder. No no breaks between. You know, usually you, hear, you see the lightning, you wait a little while, you hear thunder. That stuff was popping all around us and. I think me and Sean were both saying some prayers and just pedaling as fast as we could. We could, it, you know, it was funny because when that water spot hit and Josh had actually flipped, you know, um, he said, I think he, he, what he said was his kayak actually got lifted up by the spout and he flipped over. I know I was leaning as far to the right as I could. Uh, I mean, my hands almost dragging in the water because my kayak was being pushed so hard to the left. 
uh, it was, I, I just, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to about to lose all this equipment. You know, uh, it, we were in two, three foot of water. So it wasn't as scary as far as, you know, uh, if we fall out, we fall out. I was more worried about losing the equipment and losing my bag of fish actually, because I had a good bag of fish in there. Um, it, really, as soon as the water spot hit us, it was, it was through. It only, it, it seemed like it lasted a while, but it, it, it went quick. And then we were forced with the wind and then the lightning started coming in. But, um, we made it in safely. Obviously, uh, Josh, uh, made it in the other two guys made it in. And I know Tyler, your friend made it in. And I think we got a good shot of the three of us, um, you know, hugging and, and, and celebrating. Hey, we just, we just made it through a water spout, you know, that was about that, the time we decided to load up and go, uh, get a burger at Bridgeside. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was the, uh, the, I think none of us decided to go fish again that day. Uh, I said that my, my heart was pounding. I went home back to the camp. I took a shower. I took a nap. I woke up two hours later, was at the weigh-in four hours later. My, my heart was still pounding the whole time. So, um, it was, uh, it was certainly an experience and we were fortunate. I mean, they had some other guys that got hit. There was another water spout that hit out there by sand dollar and the back of the, the Island. I know one guy had his kayak, um, uh, it lost, uh, it, it sunk. And we're actually going to have a story about that on next episode. We're going to talk about that a little bit further. Another guy was rescued, I think by the coast guard. So, uh, no, no one was injured. You know, thankfully this thing popped up, nothing anybody could have done really to predict it. Um, no one was injured. Everybody got in safely. We had some lost equipment, uh, but you know, overall it could have been worse. So we were all very happy that everybody got in safely and, um, got that. So, but look, we, you know, it, it, it was fun. It was interesting. It, it, looking back now, it's kind of one of those experiences in life that you can say, Hey, you know, this happened to me that one time or, Hey, I was fishing at the championship and it snowed on us, you know, go figure that. But, um, so look, I, I know everybody's here to, to talk about some fishing and let's talk about the good things about Patapalooza. Uh, let's go to Mark, Mark Eubanks. Mark, how you doing tonight, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. So I, I know you, you won last year. And then this year you finished in second place. I mean, how, how was, how's that feel? Uh, pretty good. I actually, whenever, uh, whenever I went to the win, I didn't think I had a shot. Just hearing all the stories of everybody's fish, seeing some of the fish that came in, it was, I, I didn't think I had a prayer. I knew I had a, a good red, but I had a small trout, a small flounder. And it wasn't until I was cooking and I heard y'all call me and Devin's name. And I was like, wait a minute, what? That's no way. <laughs> Well, look, before we get into your day, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're married. Uh, your wife is uh, Taryn, right? Mm-hmm. I know you're a huge Star Wars fan like myself. Yep. You have a relatively famous dad in the, in the fishing community. <laughs> that I do. That I do. Mr. Uh, Tommy, every, if, if, if you don't know him, great guy. Uh, you know, um, I'm sure you've probably learned a lot from him over the years. I think he's our biggest Very fan, much. Sean, too. I, I, you know, I think he is. <laughs> he's, he, he attends, uh, I think, every episode. We always see a comment from him. So it's, it's nice. We have a little bit of a fan club there. Um, now, now tell us what you do for a living. Cause I see your Facebook post and you're always talking about hacking into a system or something like that. I'm thinking, you know, I thought hackers kind of were like lived on the low key kind of low down and, and you're over there telling us about who you're hacking into and stuff like what, what, what do you do? So I'm an information security analyst. Um, and I do hack for a living. Um, we're contracted out. I work for a company called Trace Security, um, and we deal mostly with financial institutions, uh, but they basically pay me to try to hack into the bank and see what information I can gather. 
Okay. See um, what I can get from from anything that's on their network. And I know you've been taking a bunch of tests. These are some some pretty difficult tests that that you're going through. Yeah, so the certification test I'm working on um, is a OSCP Offensive Security Certified Professional. Um, I actually take the test next Sunday. Uh, it's a 24-hour test, and I have to hack into five machines within that 24-hour period. And um, previously, in the last 30 days, I was doing a lot the lab environment where there's like over 70 machines. Um, so I was doing kind of an update as I went on how many machines I had broken into. So how do you feel this year about going into that test? Pretty good? Well, we'll see. <laughs> it's, it's not easy. The time crunch is the, the biggest problem. I'm still trying to figure out how to how to move some stuff from my Microsoft Outlook and I deleted stuff and I, it's not freeing up space. So, you know, I mean, good luck with that. I, I wouldn't even know where to begin with hacking into something. Um, so, look, tell us about Patapalooza this year. Did you get the chance to do any scouting before the tournament? No, I, I'm, usually my scouting comes from dad. So, <laughs> did your dad get down. to do any scouting this year before the tournament? Yeah, yeah, and and the thing is, you know, it's it's is he telling me the truth? Is he playing with me? What's he doing? Uh. So he usually goes down Wednesday or Thursday, and he goes to a couple of different locations. And usually, I just ask for water quality, what's looking, what it looks like here and there, and then I kind of make my decisions based on you know what I'm comfortable with and and what's come up um, from what he's told me. Yeah. So I know you didn't come in until the morning of the tournament, right? Right. So you didn't even get to to pre-fish that Friday? No, I usually don't get to pre-fish at all. Okay. So um, where did, you know, if you don't mind sharing, where did you end up fishing this year? We had three fish, obviously, to get the slam, your redfish, your trout, and your flounder. Um, you know, I saw your trout. I, I, I know where you weren't fishing, probably for that trout. <laughs> you know? um, <laughs> You had a stud of a red, though, and, and really, I think that's what, what probably did it for you. Tell us a little bit, if you can, what your strategy was going into this year. Did you target one fish first and then figure out to go with the other two? Or you know, For me, it was, I'm going to target my trout first while it's early, then hit my flounder, and then maybe fish for my redfish later in the day because uh, I had a pretty good idea that they were biting a little bit later in the morning. What about you? What was your strategy going in? Uh, well, my strategy typically is I look for my big red first um, because I know that if I can get a redfish that's slightly over 27, I can ice him down to make him hit that that edge. And Todd Lewis knows more than anybody that I typically am cursed with that hit in the 27-inch line. Um, but this year, it just worked out for me. Uh, the area I go to, um, I found it back in 2012 when Minimalist Challenge was held in uh, Basin's. And between talking to um, Dennis Sonier and um, uh, Rev Red, uh, we he, they kind of taught me. Um, oh, that was Bill Crawford. Uh, they kind of taught me that area because uh, mm-hmm. I used to fish with them a, a good bit. And this area that I found um, at the Minimalist Challenge that year in 2012, I came in uh, second place. Um, with, I mean, just some massive reds there. And I found where they were stacked up. I found some deep holes. And I also found some spots that held some trout. So I've, I've kind of found that area. And I've been able to go back there and, and reproduce those those good fish um, you know, on several occasions now. Um, so I went out there and I had my first redfish, which was 25 and a half, 26 inches. 
right at 515. And then um, about 545 is when I caught my big red, which was 27, and I think it was 27 and a quarter when I put him in the boat and put him on ice and um, then started looking for trout. Um, but then the storm hit me. Uh, so that's when it got kind of bad. Yeah. Did, did the, how, how'd the weather go up in Basons? And for people that know Basons, the northernmost uh, point you could fish for this tournament, I think now it's called uh, Gator Cove or Alligator Cove or something like that we were talking about. Um, did you get a lot of rain up there? Uh, I, it started out, um, I'll tell you, when I was going out, I had a beautiful light show because there was just lightning on horizon everywhere and it lit up everything. I almost didn't have to use my, uh, my headlamp to see. It was, it was so much. Um, but it was off in the distance. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to stay close to the bank, you know, not pick any of my rods up, uh, nothing like that until the lightning passes. And I got out to my spot and it just was barely drizzling until right around six o'clock. And then it started just dropping the bottom out of it. And I got to that point to where the wind started picking up and I just beached my kayak and put my anchor down in my, uh, my Hobie drive. A hole and just hunkered down because where I was, I was beached, all the rain was coming directly in my face. So I just had to put my rain suit on and just cover up. And I mean, it had to be hitting 50 mile an hour wind gusts whenever I was, I was there. I didn't see any water spouts, but then again, it was hitting so hard. I couldn't hardly see at all. Yeah. Uh, but it lasted about maybe 15 minutes and then it was gone. And then it was just, you know, a pretty good breeze, but it didn't really rain much after that. Now, you know, and, and that's a good point. You you caught that big redfish, so what, before 7 o'clock, you said, right? 5.45. 5.45, and, and the, the weigh-in ended at uh, 4 o'clock, uh, although people were certainly fishing. I know you were right there at the end of the weigh-in, um, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that fish shrunk. So you really had five – you had probably close to nine hours to shrink that fish a quarter inch. Is yeah. that about right? Yeah, and he came in at 26 and three quarter. 26. So you actually shrunk, were able to shrink them about half an inch over that nine hour period. So, you know, that's, that's a good, a good tip. If you can get that big redfish early, you had the possibility of shrinking them down. You know, I mean, certainly if you'd have caught them at three thirty and running them in, you know, maybe not, especially with the way Todd pinches those tails. But, uh, you know, with, um, with, with the redfish that size, you know, right over, and having that period of time. So what about your trout and your flounder? Um, did you, did you also, were you able to also catch those out in basins? Uh, I caught a 12, 12 and a half inch trout in basins. Um, and I knew that wasn't going to be good enough. Um, but I can typically at least pick up a trout that's keepable. Mm-hmm. And I actually went to, uh, go look for a flounder at, I left basins at nine o'clock. And I went to a couple different flounder spots and the one I finally went to that I caught my flounder at, uh, pulled up into second cast, caught a 12 and a half inch flounder. Um, and then made a couple more casts and caught a trout because uh, I was Carolina rig with a live minnow and caught about 13 inch trout. So I was able to upgrade my trout there and finish my slam. And then the second wave of the big storm hit um, and took shelter, waited, for, waited that out. And then got back on the water and fished for a little bit um, before finishing my day in Grand Isle, trying to look for a flounder upgrade, uh, which I never could find. But um, had I stayed there, I would have caught my flounder upgrade because Dad pulled in and he caught it. Yeah. So, what'd you catch your redfish on? 
I caught him on a cork. Um, I actually found at Academy, there's a little, kind of like a little miniature glow stick that you can attach to the top of your cork. Hmm. And I've been using that to fish early morning because you can see it really well. Uh, you can cast it out real far. You can see it just glowing on top of the water so you can see when it drops below. And I had actually tossed it out and it never even stopped. It hit the water and just went straight under. Was um, that with a, with a minnow or artificial? Yeah, I was fishing a live minnow. Okay. Uh, and everything, that's was kind of the difference between this year and last year. Last year, everything I caught was on top water. This year, they wouldn't touch any artificial. Even your flounder? No, not my phone. My phone <laughs> I caught on them in a lot of minutes, but everything else, I mean, all morning last year it was top water. It didn't matter what it was. It was it was just hitting top water. This year I couldn't get anything on artificial. I caught almost everything on uh live bait. Yeah. So um your flounder, you didn't catch that in Bay Songs. You went further south for that then. Yeah, I caught that in Leeville. Leeville, yeah. Uh so now I know some of the bigger trout this year seem to come from Leeville. Now last year, Paddlepalooza was in March and it was, it was a huge difference, obviously, you know, a lot of people fish South this year, um, rather than going up North last year, a lot of people fished up North simply because, you know, the, the, a lot of the fish hadn't made it down towards say Grand Isle or something. What was the biggest difference you noticed between last year and this year, uh, for you, if, if, if you noticed any difference? Water depth was the biggest thing for me. Um, last year when I pulled in the basins, or well, the Thursday and Friday before, um, when I talked to my dad, he said there was no water at all in, in basins. So I pulled in there and I happened to see one of the, uh, one of the bow fishing boats come pulling out. And I started talking to them for a few minutes and they said that there was a little bit of water. And I figured it's okay. If it's enough for them to run a boater, I should be able to get my kayak back in there. Went to my spots, didn't, couldn't even get in there. So I had to find some new spots and I managed to find a, a spot that had uh, some good reds in it and, um, and some trout as well. Wasn't very deep, but it was crystal clear. That's good. That's good. Um, well, look, man, you know, congratulations on uh, another great finish. I know uh, you won the uh, compass. I think it was a compass this year with some accessories yeah. that was provided by the backpacker. So uh, congratulations on that. I mean, you get another, uh, you know, nice plaque and everything, a little bit something more to add to your repertoire there. Uh, first place finished Patapalooza, second place the following year. That's a pretty good two years for Patapalooza. I mean, you're competing against 240-something people, and to come out second, you know, in that high two years in a row, you know, really testament to, to you know, knowing some fishing and doing some really good fishing two years in a row. So we appreciate you ha- you coming on tonight. You know, feel free to stick around. We're going to move over to Brock. Uh, I know we've got a lot more stuff to cover tonight. So uh, hopefully we'll have you on again, uh, maybe even after Fallen Tide, if you can fish it. <laughs> oh, I'm making it. I'm coming back from Disney the Saturday or the Sunday before um, Fallen Tide, but I'm, I'm making it. Well, I'm going to make sure I talk to Mr. Tommy this year. Maybe he can give me some spots to fish for Fallen Tide. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Thanks. So, hey, uh, Tyler, let's go on over to Brock. Brock, how are you doing tonight, man? Pretty good. How are y'all? Good, good, good. So look, for those of us uh, out there who are watching tonight and didn't uh, see our episode last time we had Brock on, I'm going to summarize. Brock's an LSU student, and he's also one of Backpackers' finest representatives. He's a member of our club for a while, trying to get him on board as an officer. We talked about that again today. Um, hopefully, we'll get him on board We did talk about that today. 
we did talk about that today. So uh, don't be surprised if you see your name nominated next year, Brock. We'll, we'll, we'll eat you in there. Maybe make you sponsor coordinator or something like that. So, Brock, um, let's talk about Patapalooza first. You finished in fifth place this year overall. Uh, was this your highest finish? It is, yeah. I was top 20 last year, but I snuck in there this year. It snuck in there, staking in his 10th. You you finished right there at fifth place. Um, two spots behind me, I think. Is that right? I was, I was in thirds. I'll get you one day. But you know what? One spot ahead of Tyler, though. <laughs> <laughs> so did you uh, did you get to do any pre-fishing? Uh, I did. I fished Friday. Fished down in Grand Isle and got caught a couple of good trout. Um, I actually saw a flounder, so... Kind of, kind of based my my plan off of seeing that flounder, thinking there's probably a pretty good concentration if I was actually able to, to put my eyes on one. Yeah. So you saw a flounder. Was that uh, were you sight fishing flounder, or did was, you see someone else was, catch a flounder? No, I I, uh, I didn't sight fish him, but I was just standing up paddling and happened to go over a clean spot and spooked him up and watched him swim away. So really? I figured wow. that'd be a pretty pretty good place to return. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, so tell us kind of your strategy going in, uh, you know, Mark was telling us he goes for the big redfish first, you know, I went for the, my trout first. What, what was your thoughts kind of going in? So I was kind of the opposite. Um, looking at the weather, I figured it, it kind of mess up, um, Grand Isle later in the day with it being, being some pretty bad wind. Um, so I hit, hit Grand Isle first. Um, just to kind of that way it would put me up up north when the storm hit in a little more protected water. Um, so I started there, went to my trout spot, got there uh, around 530, uh, fishing a big open bay. And the waves were so bad that um, they'd come up for the top water, but they couldn't couldn't catch up to it. So they, I kept seeing them miss it. So I just go down and didn't catch anything on the first couple passes. And then on my like third third pass. Had a good hit, good hit, and then threw a jerk bait over there and pulled up my first trout, and then did that a couple more times. Um, then I actually hit a hit a random spot for flounder just on my way back in, and uh, like third or fourth cast, ended up pulling up a flounder. So right after that, uh, made the move up north, and then um, that's that's kind of when the storm hit. Yeah, so um, you caught your your trout and your flounder down a Grand Isle. Yeah, I had a trout and a flounder by I think six forty-five or seven o'clock. Nice. And uh, at that point, you moved north to go. go you refer- did you stay in the Grand Isle area? Did you go up to like Golden Meadow or Basons or something? Yeah, uh, actually, I ran up to Golden Meadow. I found some clean water up there the past couple weekends, and uh, went went straight to the spot. Missed a good one on second cast, and then moved down the bank probably twenty yards, and ended up pulling a twenty-five incher up. That's nice. How, how, what, what size was your trout? Uh, I want to say it was around 16. Yeah. You know, one of the things I found, um, in Grand Isle, I was thinking that there were going to be some, some bigger trout down there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think mine was, was 19. I know we had, I think another 17 or 18 right around there, but it seemed that uh, the stories coming in, most of the people, we had some nice trout brought in. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. some three, three and a half pound trout brought in, Seems like most of those were caught towards in Leeville. Yeah. Uh, apparently I was surprised that with the tournament being in May, we didn't have any bigger trout um, being caught more towards Grand dial. But I know again, you know, you had some real big stud reds caught down at Basons. The bigger trout were in, in Grand uh, were in Leeville. And then I think, you know, we had 
probably eight of us that were kind of fishing in an area together in Grand Isle, and all eight of us caught a flounder. I think that's probably the first time I've ever seen that happen where everybody caught flounder. And then it was, okay, can you catch a redfish now? You know, the redfish weren't thick. They were they were out there pretty thick a couple of weeks ago behind the island. Um, what did you notice? Anything? Maybe people wanting to go down and fish, uh, Leeville and Grand Isle uh, in May and June, maybe before it starts getting kind of hot. You don't see anything there that you could maybe tell some of the viewers that would help them if they want to go down there and try to get on some of these trout or redfish? Uh, I'd say just, just kind of base your plan off the wind. I mean, if it's a, a light north wind and, and the surf is low, definitely try to get out there to Elmer's. You can catch some really big trout out there this time of year. I don't think anybody made it out there last weekend with the, the weather we were having, but I know Brendan talked about it at the last meeting that this time of year is a prime time for Elmer's Island, and you can catch them on top water, jerk baits, live baits, really, really whatever you want to throw at them. Um, and then coming up pretty soon, there be, should be some good bull red fishing down there if you're, if you want to do that, but, uh, just head into the marsh and you can easily pick up some redfish too. Yeah. And, and one thing I found, and this was true for me Friday before Padapalooza and, um, Saturday, uh, the tournament was the redfish were killing top water for me both friday and saturday late morning too you know 10 30 11 o'clock sun out on friday and they were just I, as a matter of fact i had to replace my top water for the tournament on saturday it was so beat up yeah and um i actually had talked to captain uh eric mahobrak today or, or no it was yesterday because I, I was gonna uh, i went out fishing lake hermitage today asked him if they've been doing any good down highway 23 he told me that um uh the, he, he had a customer went out they actually went out of um uh, forget it. it was somewhere down highway 23 it wasn't far down it was myrtle grove or or lake hermitage or something like that and he, and he tells me he says man sean the redfish been tearing up the top water uh lately so kind of funny that we're seeing it down in grand isle and we're seeing it up here you know uh, north of that so i'm not sure what it is right now it's probably the bait in the water uh that they're doing and the redfish are really tearing up top water so if you if you're getting a chance to go out don't be afraid to throw that top water even later in the morning even if the sun's out you may not catch any trout, but the redfish are out there and, and they're hitting it. Yeah, um, I think a lot of what, what had to do with that last weekend was the pre-front. Yeah. Um, actually, when I pulled up to my redfish spot, I had a red come up and hit it. And then the next cast, it was actually three sheep's head coming after it. So at pre-front, just had everything kind of kind of fired up and, and eaten, especially on top. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the things, man, when, those, when that front's coming through and, and those fish are biting, it's real hard to leave. Because you just you're thinking, man, maybe I can get a 26 and 7 eighths or 11 twelfths or something like that inch red uh, for that. So, uh, Brock, if you'll hang with us, I want to talk to you a little bit more. Um, you get, we got some other things to talk to you about with fish picks. Uh, your big win there. Um, I want to switch over to Tyler real quick. Tyler, uh, I'm looking through my outline real quick. I always make an outline, and I completely jumped over you when I went to Bark. Uh, I know this was a big tournament for you. Tell, it, tell us about was. your day. You know, it, it was um, this was my first time catching a slam, or let me let me uh, step back. It was my first time weighing in a slam, in a slam tournament. So, I had a heartbreak in um, Mobile a couple of years ago and had a flounder that jumped back out my boat into the water. Uh, so, it's a little redemption from that a couple of years back. But anyway, uh, I started out in Grand Isle bright and early. Uh, didn't have, I don't have too much experience fishing in the pitch black, so 
I was I really just decided I was just gonna throw top water. I knew I could I could hear it and feel it and walk the dog and hope that maybe when something bit it I'd you know I'd be able to hang on and um, had a few blow ups uh, before the sun came up. Um, but it wasn't until uh, after the sunrise, after that first little rainstorm, um, I, unlike Mark, uh, I was able to, I, I caught both my red and my trout on topwater. Uh, so I, I caught a 21-inch uh, red, um, and a little bit later managed to pick up a 16-inch trout on topwater and uh, decided to switch to flounder. Um, and not long after that, I, I hooked into one that came off. And uh, and then shortly after that, I hooked into another one, and I had my had my slam by 8:40 in the morning. And uh, at that time, I knew uh, you know a 16-inch trout was was okay. My 21-inch red wasn't, um, so I decided to pick up and make a move to the marsh, uh, try to beat the storm that we knew was coming in. Let, let me ask you this real quick before we we get in the marsh. How did you feel? I remember the first time I caught a slam in a tournament. And, and certainly you had your trout and your red and you got that flounder, you know, in, and all of a sudden you realize I got the slam. I mean, how, how'd that feel for you? I, I was pumped. And I'll tell you, after the experience I went through in Mobile, I had a death grip on that thing. It was not coming <laughs> out this time, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was heartbreaking to, to lose the one at the net. Um, thankfully not long after I had another one in the boat and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty exciting feeling for sure. You know, that, that's a good point. Uh, Vlad um, had uh, a really nice uh, red and trout, and he probably would have finished in the top three, maybe in first or second. He lost his flounder. He said he had one flounder. He lost it at the kayak going to net it. And sometimes when you dip that rod down a little bit, just enough, when you're trying to work that net around, it's just enough to let that hook come out. So, you know, I mean, sometimes it's lucky, but so you've got your slam now. It's it's early, and I know you were you were looking to upgrade at that point. That's right, and and I guess my my strategy going into it was to uh, to to really throw top water the first couple hours in the morning to try to get that trout, and uh, then from there I had planned to uh, just fish hard for flounder. I'd heard so many reports of flounder being caught that I knew that to get in the money it was probably going to take a three fish stringer this year. Uh, so. Thankfully, I happened to pick up a 21-inch red on topwater when I was fishing for trout and uh, then was able to switch to flounder and have my slam by 840. Uh, picked up, moved to the marsh, got out there, um, and, I mean, I, that's when I ran into to Sean, and uh, we, we were pretty much back-to-back -back just taking turns catching fish on topwater there for a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, he, he caught his 26 and a half. I was able to upgrade my red to 25 and a half. I uh, knew that was decent. I would have liked it a little better. Um, we kept throwing top water for a while. I uh, picked up another 16-inch trout. And um, then we knew it was time to start heading in. We, we wanted to play it safe and uh, started heading in, got caught up in the, the water spout. And after we, we picked up, I decided that, you know, it was near lunchtime, I felt like after that storm had everything stirred up, the chances of me upgrading uh, from a 16-inch trout or a 25-and-a-half-inch red were probably pretty slim. And we decided to pack it in and go get some lunch, take showers, and go set up for the weigh-in. And uh, it ended up paying off with a sixth-place finish, so I was pretty excited about that. Yeah, and I tell you, you know, I, was, um, I wasn't too far from you when, when you caught that red that upgraded. 
and uh, I know you were you were fishing that bank and you were you were throwing that top water, and I remember turning around and seeing your your rod bent over and you getting pulled towards the shoreline. I said, you know, I've already got my fish at this point. I'm just kind of killing time, you know, kind of messing around a little bit. And I went over there and I could see you bring it in and, and uh, take a picture. I know you were pretty pumped at that point. You had a I know he was twelve or twenty five inches. I think. Yeah, just over twenty five. And I mean, you know, at the time. It was it was a pretty good feeling to be sitting in that position at what like eleven in the morning, you know. And I was thinking, man, we got a we got a lot of time left in the day to, to keep fishing. <laughs> then after the experience we went through, I was just done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it was uh, totally it was done. crazy. I mean, you know, we we got those fish in, and um, I know we, we were going down the canal and just taking turns, you on the left, me on the right, and and you know throwing top water, and they were still hitting it. Um, yeah. But uh, it was it was a good. I mean, sixth place finish out of two hundred forty. It's a it's a hell of a finish, man. And so like, I was like glad, Mark um, said, you know, I was I was sitting up there by the weighing table the whole time, taking pictures and watching, and I, and I kept seeing slams. And just like every fourth or fifth person, slam, slam. And I'm thinking, man, I should have went back out. You know, what I have is not going to be good enough. And I was really pretty surprised when I found out that it was good enough for sixth. Yeah. And, 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 you know, uh, it, it was a great finish. And it was your your first time finishing in the top 10 in the slam tournament at Patapalooza or Fall of Tide. Sixth place is a, is a great finish. Uh, certainly Brock at fifth place. Um, and I think uh, Steve was was at fourth. Uh, but, you know, I, I'd be remiss. I, you know, we've had Devin, Devin Belts uh, on here before. Typically what we like to do is we like to bring in new people to talk about experiences and, and what happened. We've had Devin on before. I'm certainly we're going to have him on again. Um, Devin took first place. He had a he had a great slam. Uh, he had a nice solid redfish. He had a uh, a nice flounder, uh, I think. And uh, more than anything, though, and what got got him, and, and that's what basically what what got him over me and Mark because I think Mark and I we weren't that far off. I think my total weight was like nine point six five pounds. And Mark's weight, I think, was nine point nine something. I think Mark, it's just that redfish was a stud. I mean, I had your trout beat by a good bit. I had a, I had a nice trout. It's like two point three pounds, but that red you had was just, you know, was just a stud. Whereas Devin had, I think, his trout was three point like three. It was a good pound heavier than mine, and uh, he was in the tens for for his total weight. So he had a really nice slam. I don't think. Either of us were really that close to him. I know he was a full pound ahead of me, probably at least a half a pound ahead of Mark. I have a list. Um, uh, I have a list. I can put up on the screen and read read through the weights real quick if you want to. Yeah, why don't, we, why don't we do that? Let's go through the uh, through the slams and let's announce the top ten. Okay, once yeah. you once you do that so for first, us. First place, Devin Belts, ten point six eight. Second place, Mark Eubanks, nine point nine six. Third place, Sean Rostanis, nine point six five. Fourth place, Steve Lassard, nine point one four pounds. Fifth place, Brock Miller, 9.03 pounds. Sixth place, Tyler Caldwell, 8.54 pounds. Seventh place, Aaron LaRose, 7.64. Eighth place, Matt Carr, 7.54. Ninth place, Benton Parrott, uh, 7.47. I know he had a a big red that just barely, barely went over 27. Yeah. and, and, and he ended up in ninth place, which is still a great finish. But I have a feeling if that red would have came in under uh, 27, he may have been uh, sitting up there with above probably that. top top three at least. Yeah, I would think for sure. Yeah. And tenth place, uh, Tony Winkler with 7.19 pounds. Yeah. And uh, hey, you know what? Let's give a big shout out to the to Bayou Coast officers, 
representing. I think we had three of us placed in the top 10 this year. Uh, That's right. uh, be remiss to, to, to uh, miss Aaron LaRose. Uh, I think he was in seventh place, Tyler. Yep, seventh place. Seventh place finish. I mean, had, that's that's had, fantastic. Uh, Josh Thompson came in in uh, fifth place flounder. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, usually we have a reputation for um, not doing so well at the tournaments that we throw. So, <laughs> you know, big shout out to this. Uh, real quick, Tyler, why don't we do this? Let's take a quick commercial break uh, for one of our sponsors. We'll get back. We'll announce the other prizes. And uh, coming up here shortly, guys. Uh, big announcement, championship tournament, all the details y'all been waiting for. What's up, guys? It's Brock from the Backpacker again. Another cool product I wanted to show y'all was the marine mat that we put in a lot of our boats. Um, basically, it's an EVA foam pad. It's got a 3M adhesive on the back, and we can customize it to fit any of the other boats. Um, makes it really quiet for us guys that like to sight fish. It dampens the noise of your paddle and your rod, rods hitting the deck. So it's really good for our shallow water fishing, plus it's a cool way to customize your boat. And don't forget, be sure to visit us online at www.backpackeroutdoors.com or in one of our stores in Baton Rouge and Lafayette. Hey, guys, we're back. Tyler, uh, real quick, why don't you walk us through the other winners? I mean, you know, a lot of people put a lot of effort in this, and I, I really like to, 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 to announce the names here. We've got uh, Leopard Red, Big Trout, Big Red, and Big Flounder. You could maybe just run through those lists for us real quick. Yeah, sure. Uh, we'll start with Leopard Red. First place, Ryan Godet. Forgive me if I butcher any of these names, by the way. Uh, he had 11 spots. Uh, second place, Chris Weaver, nine spots. And then third, fourth, and fifth all tied, eight spots. That's Mark Laporte, Lee Wolf, and Brendan Bayard. Wait, wait, go back. Who, who was fifth place, uh, Leopard Red? Yeah, you know, uh, Brendan Bayard, fifth place, Leopard Red. Unbelievable. They say he can't catch a redfish. <laughs> there you go. Uh, on the uh, big flounder, saddle flounder, we call it. First place, Brandon Ballard, 1.93 pounds. Second place, Timmy Callier, 1.91 pounds. Third place, Sean Calloway, 1.89 pounds. Uh, fourth place, Tommy Eubanks, 1.87. And fifth place, Josh Thompson, 1.52. Now, now we had we had a bigger flounder caught that day, uh, Lance Burgess. Didn't make the way in. Man, it's late. I tell. I do you. I, I got a picture of it up for everybody to see. Do you remember how much it weighs? I think it was over three pounds. It three was point, over three pounds. It, it was, was three point one or three point two, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was. It was a doormat. Yeah, I thought he said it was like three point four. Yeah, it was a big flounder. It, it was, was massive. Again, uh, you know, he makes it in eight minutes early. You know, he's probably in the top five as well. I mean, that flounder, three and a half pounds. You know, he only needs is a five pound red and a dink trout and, and you know, he's in, you know, in the top three. Yep. So unfortunately he couldn't make it. I know he was trying to get the slam. He had his flounder early. Uh he didn't have a trout though. And I know he went to Leeville to try to get a trout. By the time he got it, you know, he came in and uh, unfortunately he was eight minutes late. So um that was that was a tough break for Lance. Um, but really it was a stud flounder. So uh what else we got left, Tyler, as far as uh, awards there? Got uh, Mule Trout, first place Cody Drago, 3.48 pounds. Second place, sorry Vlad, uh, I'll probably butcher this too, but Vlad Moldavian, Moldavian. Just, just Vlad. As everybody knows, everybody we knows Vlad. Like that yeah, 3.18 pounds. Yeah. Uh, third place, Squints Vinoy, 2.86 pounds. Fourth place, Thomas Schneider, 2.76, and fifth place, Elizabeth Hart, 2.35. 
Um, Elizabeth, also the one who took the the water spout video earlier that we yeah. played. Uh, and then last is the big red, uh, stud red category, we call it. First place was Chris Holmes, uh, 8.34 pounds. Uh, that was a monster. slob, too. I mean, for this area, that was a slob was. of a redfish. Second place, Mike Malone, 7.76. Third place, Kirk Daigle, 7.68. Fourth place, Harry Flanagan the third, 7.15 pounds. And fifth place, Toby Armand, 7 pounds. Tyler, do do we have a picture of Harry Flanagan's redfish? I, I don't. Oh, we, don't have, we, we have a video, though. Yeah, we have a video. We have a video. I think. Why, why don't we show that video real quick of uh, Todd winging uh, Mr. Flanagan's redfish? So what exactly happened with that? Tyler, you were right there. Why don't you recount the story for, for all of us uh, watching? So Todd, Todd was, you know, how he, he, he massages gracefully every red fish before he measures it to make sure he can get every little eighth of an inch out of it. Oh! He, he was grabbing the fish. Pretty horrible and we all laughed and I know Todd apologized probably twenty times. It felt so bad. But Harry was a good sport, and uh, we asked for his permission to post the video, and he thought it was funny and was all for it. So, absolutely, it was it was a great video. Uh, you know, one thing we're trying to do is, is videotape a lot more of this stuff, and uh, so we can show it back later on, and just in case we need bloopers like that. So, uh, well, that pretty much wraps up uh, Patapalooza. Oh, wait, 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 you know, we had uh, we had some other winners. We had a uh, trash bash winner. Tyler, who won Trash Bash this year? Um, I think we had uh, I think it was a girl this yeah, year. I know, huh? I know Hart Faust won uh, won a gift card, and Ricky Smith. Um, that's right. We were we were gonna have Hart on. She was gonna tell us about her scouting. She did for Trash Bash. Uh, the areas that she noticed, her game plan going in, and where she felt that she could really fill her bag that day to to win. <laughs> but seriously, uh, Hart actually. She uh, she was actually had caught some flounder uh, going up to the tournament. Uh, the weather didn't cooperate with her that day, and she she couldn't catch her, her her flounder on tournament day. But she did catch her redfish and her trout, and I think she finished first overall in the ladies' division. Is that right? She did. Yeah, I think I think maybe um, somebody might have had a higher weight than her with one fish, but uh, you know, two fish stringer beats one fish stringer. Two fish she, stringer beats one yeah, fish stringer. She was able to uh, get a first place finish in the ladies' division, and and then uh, just to finish out these other categories, we had uh, first place for the youth division was Graves Bayard with four point six eight pounds, and then first the old place, man division, right? Yep, yeah, first place in in the. The old man division is Mr. Mark Eubanks's dad, Tommy Eubanks. It's Mr. Tommy. Pounds. I think he's like a three or four Pete now on, on the seniors division. <laughs> Tommy, uh, Mark, when does when your dad plan on coming back and competing in the, in the regular division? Is, or has he just said, I'm just going to stick to the senior chart, senior circuit? Uh, he hadn't really said, but I know right now he's relaxing on the beach. So he's. <laughs> He's sitting back enjoying uh, just watching it, the video here. So he's obviously made all the right decisions in life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See that. So, look, I want to congratulate all the winners, and everybody that came out and fished Paddlepalooza. 
you know, if you were able to finish in the top 10, it's a hell of a showing. You know, if you were able to catch a slam, it's a great job. You know, uh, anytime you come out there, you're competing against some of the some of the best kayak fishermen, not only in the state, but in the world. Um, you know, we've got uh, I know, Tom, uh, Mark, your dad is actually fishing the Hobie Worlds. Uh, Steve Lassard fishing the Hobie Worlds. Um, and I'm sure we've got some other people I'm probably forgetting right now, but Bitten, maybe Bitten, maybe a fish in the Hobie Worlds at some point. Brendan. Uh, Brendan's fish in the Hobie Worlds. We have a lot of, lot of really quality anglers fishing out there. But to put it all together on tournament day and to catch a flounder, a redfish, and a trout, it baffles even some of the best fishermen to be able to put all three of those together. So congrats to all the winners. Congrats to the winners of the big fish categories. It was a great tournament. Um, you know, I'm already looking forward to next year. Uh, don't know when the date is going to be, but, um, you know, really looking forward to it. It's always one of my favorite tournaments. So, look, uh, let's go back to Brock. Brock, um, you won something else. You actually finished first this year in uh, the Massey's Fish Pick Tournament. Is that right? Yes, sir. Tell us about that. Um, honestly, I wasn't planning on on kind of – Fishing it throughout the year, but I did a trip with Lance uh, Burgess and uh, ran into a 43 and a half inch red on top water and decided that after that, I should probably try to put a few more fish fish up on the board. Um, So after that, I ended up catching a flounder over in Big Lake. It wasn't huge, but it was something to put on the board and then um, actually upgraded the red to 44. Jeez. A couple uh, months later, and then uh, were you fishing with Lance when he caught his big trout? Because I know tr- Lance finished. I wasn't. First. No, no, he caught that pretty early. I caught mine. Did he caught uh, that where? What can was he saying? I can't say. <laughs> um, yeah, he caught his pretty early. I caught my my first red on July fourth, actually midday on top water. So kind of a surprise there. Um, but kind of moving forward, I think two weeks before the end of the. <clears throat> the end of the tournament, I went <clears throat> went to a spot to kind of scout for for IFA and ended up pulling a, a twenty and three quarter inch trout out of there. So I put that on the board and it made it kind of interesting. I, I know remember that you bumped uh, <clears throat> bumped the Ginger Avenger out of second place. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't too happy about that. We were talking some smack leading up to it. Now I remember that. I, I even heard about the smack. Yeah, but uh, that left me with with a bass to catch, and I I mean I probably fished four days a week trying to catch that bass, and then on I think the Sunday before it ended, I ended up pulling up a sixteen and a half inch bass, and uh, that ended up tying for first, and then I beat beat uh, I think it was Gavin Billiot in the in the tie with a um, ninety seven inch ag. Yeah, you know, we're going to have a, a whole another episode. We're going to talk a little bit more about fish picks. Uh, we'll hopefully get Mike G on from um, from Massey's. He's taking over for Dave Woodward. Uh, Woodard. Uh, we want to get him on and talk a little bit more about the format. Uh, but real quick, Brock, I understand this is a this is a catch photo release tournament, and um, basically it's the combined uh, length of your redfish, trout, flounder, and bass. Is that correct? Um, it's not combined length, like add, add all your fish together. It's okay. how you place in each category. So first place in redfish gets a hundred points, second 99, and it goes down from there. And it's the same in each category. So your combined point values from each category is what goes into your final score. Okay. Now, um, you, you won first place. What did you end up winning in that? 
I won a 2019 Hobie Outback. Wow. I mean, and that was a free tournament. Yes, it is. Just sign up for the club, have an identifier, and you can put any fish up on the board. So I caught a 16-inch flounder today down at Lake Hermitage. Was that something I probably should have? I would, I mean, put it, put it on the board um, because it's point values. You can place really high and say redfish and trout and have an okay bass and flounder and still come out with something in the end. Tyler, can you um, Photoshop my, uh, my fish picks card into that picture I took today? Is that, is that possible? Can I do that? No way. Not after what we've been through. <laughs> no, there's no, there's no Photoshopping allowed in fish picks. DQ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so that's fantastic so brock while we got you on um i understand that hobie just came out with a new kayak they did it's called the passport um it's a 10 and a half foot kayak a very basic setup um, it's actually only 1300 dollars or 12.99 um so really good entry level kayak I actually took it down to eddie and lisa's down in point of shin last friday and got to run it through its paces on the water I was pretty impressed by it. Um, stable enough to stand in, especially for a 10 and a half foot kayak. You wouldn't think you'd be able to stand in it, but I was able to easily stand. Um, speed wise, pretty good. It kind of surprised me. It tracks like a 10 and a half foot boat would. Um, not the best. You got to adjust the rudder a good bit. But um, all in all, I'm pretty impressed, especially at that price point for what they came up with. What's the way? Did you say that? Um, I want to say it's, it's less than 70. It might be right at 70. So good kayak maybe for uh for girls for for kids. Yeah, I would say so and for I Eric Stacy. <laughs> even guys, I mean, I was I was surprised at the stability of it. I mean, I uh, posted a video on YouTube, I think I shared it in the group a while uh, a couple of days ago and I could easily stand up in it with really without any issues. Hopefully, you know, you can you can film us another nice commercial. We could put it in next time. Um, you know, for people that haven't seen it yet, certainly $1300 for a pedal driven Hobie, uh, you know, it's, it's a, you know, Hobie's got a, got a uh, reputation. They're a great uh, manufacturer of kayaks, uh, $1,300. I mean, that basically competes with any other pedal kayak on the market, I would think. Mm-hmm. And what you get in that package outside of just the boat is Hobie's great warranty. So I know all of us fishing, especially where we fish, we run into a lot of issues of running into oysters and crab traps. And I see it every day, people bringing in broken drives. Um, and it's super easy to deal with Hobie as far as stuff like that and just the warranty in general. So you, like if, if you buy one of the other brands, you go into the store where you bought it and there's no replacement parts on the wall. You come into our store where you buy Hobie and we have two whole walls of replacement parts. So just that kind of guarantee that you get with going with Hobie. Speaking of which, I'm going to be uh, coming to visit you tomorrow because I bet um, one of the rods on my drive today when I hit something and then the, do y'all have those little O-rings over there that you attach for the pin? We do. Yes. Sir. Yeah. Cause I need, I need, I need, so I lost one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I need that. so, you know, look, I want to give you guys a real big shout out. Uh, with my third place finish, I actually won a thousand dollar gift card to backpacker. Um, and I was thinking, I said, man, I don't need another kayak. I've got two kayaks. What would I do with this? And we were talking, I'm, I'm going to I'm getting me a great new fish finder. I'm getting me some GoPro accessories. My wife's going to come over there. She's going to do a little shopping. So, uh, you know, that that's going to be a great thing. Tyler, you you won how much in sixth place this year? Uh, I think it was around six hundred and fifty bucks. What, what have you did you make any plans for me? Are you buying a new fish finder? You think about maybe um, 
taking a little vacation. What are you, you going to do with your winnings? I, I'd spend it all on my lovely wife for our five-year anniversary. That's probably the best way you could spend that money, too. Best way. Uh, <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to keep her happy so I can keep fishing. Absolutely. Brock, you're not married, and you have no children. Um, fifth place paid out what this year? Uh, it's a little over 700 And you got big plans for that? Um, kind of holding on to it. Um, just kind of, kind of seeing what I, what I can do with how long I can stretch it. Yeah. Wait for that new Hobie to come out maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So look, um, you know, we're running over, but that's okay. Uh, not quite out of wine yet. And so until the wine runs out, we get to keep going. I got a couple sips left championship announcement i know this is something everybody's waiting rock's kicking back now he's qualified tyler's qualified i'm qualified of course i've known where it's going to be for the last couple of months but um we, we've actually just got all the arrangements worked out uh the date is november 16th 2019 we moved it up about three weeks we are hoping to um uh avoid you know, give us a better chance of some better weather we've had it in december the last two years and um last year would have been great except for the Thunderstorms that came through the year before have been nice, except for the snow. So November 16th, 2019, again, you will be able to pre-fish. We'll probably have a little bit of a dead period again this year. You will be able to pre-fish that Friday. So if you're making uh, arrangements right now, you know, plan on coming up maybe Thursday night. If you, if you have the time, if you can take the vacation, come up Thursday night. Uh, me and Eric Stacy are going to have a gumbo cook-off um, uh, probably that Thursday night. So it's going to be a good time. We'll probably have some boudin. We have some, some all kinds of food to eat. Um, and everybody be able to pre-fish that Friday. The format is going to be two slot reds and 10 trout. So two slot reds and 10 trout location. I know this is what everybody's looking forward to, um, location this year. And remember, this is going to be a shotgun launch. So everybody will have to launch from the same location. Now, does this mean that you can't have your kayak on wheels and drag it across the street? Absolutely. You can do that. You can pull it down the street if you want. This could be a shotgun launch. And the location this year, Brock's like, just get it out already. <laughs> Topwater Marina in Leeville. We're returning uh, to the original location of uh, Padapalooza. And we are going to have it at Topwater in November. And everybody I talk to, um, usually in November, I'm fishing down Highway 23. It's right around Fallen Tide. I don't get to fish Leeville a lot in November. But everybody I talked to said it's just plain stupid over there in November with the trout what's, so, what's y'all's initial thoughts brock and mark uh i'm gonna have to do some scouting that's for sure <laughs> see I've, I've fished leeville since i was probably six years old so if i can qualify at uh rumble on the river i might be in it i was i was hoping for golden meadow but uh we, we can make something happen in leeville i too was hoping for <laughs> golden meadow brock but um Unfortunately, we don't we don't always get what we want. I know, I know. We talked about it. No, I I, I really I love Golden Meadow. Um, you know, uh, but you know, Leeville. I'll be honest. You know, um, the biggest trout I've ever caught's been in Leeville. You know, actually, probably two of the biggest trout I've ever caught, uh, two out of the three, have been in Leeville. It's got a reputation of having some really big trout, and um, you know, I think uh, we have the possibility of, of having some really big stringers, especially if the weather cooperates. Uh, trout should be no problem. Redfish, you know, it takes a little scouting. You know, I, I, last couple of years, I think I've been doing a little bit better catching redfish. 
Um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, you, you catch 10 nice trout, you can make up for some smaller redfish. You get two nice redfish, you can make up for some smaller trout. So it'll be real interesting. I know you got some guys that, that really know that area well, uh, Devin and I know Brendan, uh, Steve and, and, you know, and Mark, you said you've been fishing it since you've been six. Um, so it's going to be really interesting tournament over there. Uh, every year we try to move it around, you know, certainly we're not looking to put a location to work for somebody's specific benefit, but really what we're looking for is a place that everybody can gather a place maybe with covered, covered areas for the way in and that we can all hang out and do a shotgun launch. So those are a lot of the, um, the really areas that we're looking to, to cover. So, you know, we've had it before at Cocodri last year was at, uh, Lake Hermitage and this year at Leeville. So I'm hoping we squeeze gold and metal in uh, here soon. So look, uh, uh, I got a question about the shotgun launch. Yeah. Uh, so you said if we have wheels, we can go across the street. Yep. Um, can we not leave the topwater marina until the shotguns launch starts? So no, we can't that's start right. Walking until everybody else starts. That's right. Everybody's got to be the same location when, you know, the whistle blows Shotgun. So, you know, if you're, if you plan on fishing on the east side, then you could be in the water waiting to go. If you plan on fishing the west side, you got to kind of be in the top water marina parking lot, basically, you know, you can have your cock and wheels, but you kind of got to wait. And then, um, and that's just simply because we can't keep an eye on everybody crossing the street. And hell, if you want to pull your kayak down, once the, once the whistle blows and pull it down to the public launch, more than welcome to do that. Uh, you know, and you, you know what? You, you gotta pull know. it. You, you gotta pull it by human power, too. Don't stick. Don't hook it. Yeah, you, you, that's right. You have to pull that's it by human power. Walk. There's no vehicle. And you know it's a good point because in November, if you get a strong wind, you, you know, coming from the north, and you're fishing way south, eh, you may be better off coming at the public launch, putting on wheels, and dragging it up a mile on the road rather than trying to pedal against that wind. So something to keep in mind. Um, real quick. Uh, we have some shirts still left over from um, Patapalooza. Certainly, we have our, uh, you know, our, our short sleeve cotton shirts that came in your captain's bag. We also have a few of the long sleeve performance shirts left. We we sold a lot of those. Um, so, you know, if you if you're interested in one, you can get in touch with uh, with Eric Stacy or reach out to one of the officers. We can find out if you've got some. Also, we have some shirts for off the water. If you are looking and you want one of our shirts, we've got our little, uh, you know, dancing fish on the back, eating uh, pizza topped with uh, bait. And we have the Bayou Coast logo on the front. We only have a few left. Uh, they're $20 a piece, same as the uh, Bayou Coast shirts. So, um, you know, uh, reach out to me or Tyler. We can certainly uh, see if we have any of those shirts left and, and get it over to you and make arrangements. Also, real quick, uh, there is a tournament out of Mobile this weekend. The M uh, Tyler, why don't you tell us about the, the MBKFA? Uh, I know you fished it before. The Mobile Mobile Bay Kayak Fishing Association. Uh, it's their thirteenth annual Bagwell tournament. If you like Patapalooza and Fallen Tide, it's a very similar format. Um, all Alabama waters are open. And um, I, I don't have the weigh-in location in front of me or the times or anything, but you can visit. They have a Facebook page, MBKFA Tournaments, um, on Facebook. And, you know, those guys are 
they're a great group of guys, and they're always really good about supporting our events and driving over and participating. And uh, we get a few guys ahead that way usually. I, I went a couple years ago. You heard me talking about that earlier, and I had a real good time. Unfortunately, I can't make it this year. I would have loved to been able to. It's it's a fun time, and so we'd like to try to support those guys and, and um, you know return the favor from them driving over to our events. You know, and every year I want to fish this tournament. Every year something pops up on this day because I know we had plans to fish it last year. Um, my daughter's actually singing in a, an event this this weekend. I can't make it. Um, but if you get a chance, you're looking for a tournament. I hear it's a really nice tournament. Uh, Tyler's fished it before. If you're if you're unfamiliar with the areas, you know, reach out. There's some guys that, that have fished that tournament. They can give you maybe some some suggestions as far as where to go where to launch and, and just some, some general errors. Now, Tyler, you lost your, uh, your really big flounder through your, um, your native, uh, uh, drive hole. Was it, was it through your drive hole for your native last year? No, it wasn't. It was just, was, you told me it was yeah. through the drive hole. No, it wasn't. It, it went out over the side. I remember. I remember it. specifically. I remember it I remember like that. it was yesterday because I said, you know, that wouldn't happen if you were in a Hobie is what I remember about that, that you losing that flounder. No, you're making it up now. No, no. All right. <laughs> So look, guys, um, I'm out of one, and that means we are at the end of our episode. So if you'd like to become a sponsor by your coast, feel free to reach out to me or Tyler, and we put you in touch with our sponsor coordinator, uh, Aaron LaRose. If you missed part of tonight's episode, you can check it out on YouTube or Facebook. It's also available as a podcast. I want to thank, uh, give big thanks again to um, Paul Bernard uh, coming on tonight and t- talking to us a little bit. I also want to give a big shout-out and thanks to Mark Eubanks and Brock Miller for coming on tonight. Thanks for uh, taking the time. Sorry we ran over. Sometimes it happens, especially when we got a lot to talk about. Um, just real quick, format announcement. Uh, due to the amount of time it takes me and Tyler to get ready for this, the fact that um, mostly it's because we have wives, we're only going to be able to do this show every other week, uh, but hopefully that'll make for a better show. Um, we'll have some really good guests lined up, and uh, we also want to thank our wives who are probably watching the show for allowing us to do this and waste one of our nights every week uh, talking to you guys out there. We enjoy doing it. We appreciate you watching us, and uh, we will see you back in two weeks. I think uh, we plan on having Clayton Schilling on, who's going to talk about his upcoming tournament with the um, King of the Island. Uh, going to be a grand dollar. It's going to be a slam tournament, a uh, big dollar tournament. Um, a couple other things we're going to be talking about next episode. We'll get all the, all the guests lined up and put that out for you guys. So, Uh, You know, good night, tight lines, and we will see you guys in two weeks. Thank you.